Hey, hey. Man, oh man, don't we love Jesus? Isn't he amazing? I love that video just portrays who our Jesus is. We serve a living God, and he is amazing. So this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus. Talk about the gospel, the good news about everything that Jesus has done for us. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to open them, go to Romans chapter 1, and we're going to go right into it. And again, if you're here for the first time, we want to welcome you. You belong here. We're so thrilled and honored that you came to, to worship with us, to came to hear about Jesus this morning. One of our DNAs here, as, as you've all heard, but you belong here. That's kind of our overriding vision. You belong here, but we are here to impact generations for Jesus. So that's why if you've got kids and they're downstairs, they're getting impacted with the gospel as well. They're not just, you know, not a babysitting thing down there. They're getting the word of God because they're just much as part of this church as anybody else in this room. Right? So we look at it. We want to, we reach young, we honor age, we impact families. That's who we are, right? So Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, we're going to read it together. It says, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith, as the scriptures say. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, this, this whole month, we've kind of been doing a series called The Gospel. And the first week, we talked a little bit about what is the gospel. Now, can anybody tell me, what is the gospel? Good news. But even more than that, what, what is it past good news? It is jumping up and down good news. Are we happy? Do we have to get up and jump up and down? Or? Some are like, no, no. Some are like, yeah. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> Can't please everybody, so just in your chair, jumping up and down, good news. It's jumping up and down, good news. It, it's literally, it's too good to be true. That's why it's jumping up and down, good news. And we're going to get into that a little bit this morning. But what we said, the gospel is not good advice. It's good news. Good advice is simply, you know, somebody telling you what would be a good, this is a good way to live, or I would maybe try trying this out a little bit. It's not advice. God is not giving you advice on how to live better. He's giving you good news that you can respond to, right? And that's, that's wonderful, right? It's not just good advice. <laughs> the gospel is not primarily a way of life. It's not a code of ethics to be debated. It's not a, just an opinion. It's not something that we do. We're not working hard for God in order to get good news coming to us. That's big. I know that sounds so elementary, but if we understood this, we're not working hard in order to get good news from God to come towards us. We're simply responding to good news that he's already done something. Right? And that's huge. That's, that'll change everybody. If you're stuck in kind of religious pattern, this will change it. Understanding what God has already done for you. God's already done the work. He's already accomplished it. Everything you want and looking for in life, it's already accomplished through what Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection. Yeah. I'm giving you kind of big headlines right now, but we're going to get into details on it. Secondly, so we talk, what is the gospel? Jumping up and down, good news. Secondly, is the gospel proclaims that we have been rescued. That mankind, the world, has been rescued. But how do you partake in that rescuing? You have to respond to it. Right? And in order for there to be good news, there had to have been bad news. And the bad news was, and we read that in Genesis 3, verse 7, it talks a lot about at that moment, the moment that Adam and Eve, they had sinned, they had uh, disobeyed what God commanded them to do. It says, at that moment, they felt shame. And we listed a few other things that took place. And number one was that they were separated from God. Everything that God is, everything that God has, mankind was separated from God at that, at that moment. 
Not only that was man separated from God, but he was separated to sin. And the result of being separated to sin, death spread to everyone. So mankind is stuck in sin. They're stuck in death. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. Mankind was just death. That was it. That was what's in the world. So we talk about Eden's headline was God is out. Sin enters the world and takes over mankind. But aren't you glad it does not stop there? Man, that's not the end of your and my story. There is good news. God wanted to rip that paper apart, put a new headline on there, saying, hey, wait, somebody's coming. So God did something. And what did He do? We talked about four different things. Four different things. Number one is God gave His Son, Jesus. John 3, 16 and 17, what does that say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him man aren't those amazing scriptures John 3 16 think the most popular scripture in the entire world but there's a reason for it man this it's it's the very heartbeat of what the whole Bible represents the Old Testament proves that John 3 16 is true and reveals that what John 3 16 what Jesus did on the cross is reality man God was waiting for that in moment that John 3 16 and who said John 3 16 Jesus said, John 3, 16, For God loved the world, so loved. And by just adding that one word, so, you know, if I say I'm hungry, okay, I'm hungry. But if somebody says, I'm so hungry, watch out. <laughs> right? I'll eat anything in my sight. Right? So when you, God says, I didn't just love you, I so loved the world. So what did God do? Number one is He gave Jesus. Not only did He give Jesus, but then He also sent Jesus to die for mankind. And I want you, let's just turn there for a sec. Romans chapter 5, 6 through 9. Let's just read these real quick. Are you ready this morning? Okay. Remember last week, and we're going to get into this, but we talked about your expectation. Right? What are you believing? It matters what you believe. What, are you, what did you come to church for this morning? Hopefully not just to check off a box and say, I did it. No, there's more to it. What, did you, what are you expecting from God this morning? Because He comes and He meets expectations. That's what He does best. So Romans 5, verse 6, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. Let's say right time. Man, He came at the right time and died for us Christians. No, no, no. What does it say? Died for us sinners. <laughs> now, most people would be not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Sinners just simply means that was my condition. I was of no value to Him. I was of no use to Him. Right? But yet my condition, He died in my, stead, in my condition that I was in. I wasn't a church going. I wasn't a preacher. I wasn't you know, a good Christian guy raising my hands towards Him. I was a sinner. I was completely, completely distant from Him. But He died for the ungodly. Now, I, I qualify for that. How many else qualify? Yeah. All right, we all do. Verse 9, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. One of the things we say, not only did you get saved to God, but you also got saved from God. 
That is good news. Because <laughs> Romans 3 talks about a day of anger that's coming, and it's not angry at people. It's an anger towards sin. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, guess what? There is, like kind of what Pam was encouraging us this morning, the slate is clean. You have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. There is no sin in you any longer. All right, thank you for the three people that got excited on that. All right, all right. Okay. Now, whew, we'll get happy. We'll keep, we'll keep going. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Jesus t- personally took all the sin of the world on himself and died with it. You know, for uh, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right before God. Can we stand before God as if we've never done anything wrong? Yeah, how come? Simply because of what Jesus did on the cross. Right? And lastly, Colossians 2, 13 through 15, God disarmed the enemy, and then he made a public display of him. So what did Jesus do? What, sorry, what did God do? God sent Jesus. Jesus died for us. He also took all sin, so that's been dealt away with. Then he also whooped the enemy. He, made a, he actually disarmed him. Right? And we, the way we use it, if you're going to disarm somebody, you don't just ask, can I please have that gun, sir? No, if, you, if somebody is being violent, you are going to disarm him. You will use physical force. You will do whatever it takes to whoop that guy and take away whatever kind of weapon he's got. Well, Jesus didn't just ask the devil, can I please have that now? It's, it's my turn. No, no, no. He disarmed him. He whooped him. And then he says he made a public display of him, meaning he threw a huge parade and said, hey, everybody, look at the loser. You, you see him? This is the loser that I'm, I've whooped for y'all. Right here. There he is. So the enemy that you and I are fighting now is what? He's been defeated. He is whooped. He's got no teeth. He's got no claws. He is just a big kitty cat roaring around seeking whom he may devour. He has no right devouring you unless you let him. Listen, the enemy is defeated. Say with me. The enemy is defeated. He already is defeated. He's got nothing on you. The only access point he has is fear. And if he can get a little bit of fear in you, then he can get into you. But other way, listen, he's got no control. He's got no authority in your life whatsoever. Amen. Nada. Say nothing. nothing. Come on, do you believe that? Nothing. He's got nothing on me. Even Jesus said that before he went to the cross, he said, I'm, I'm going. But he said that the enemy, the evil one, he's got nothing in me. The devil couldn't even kill him. Jesus had to lay down his life. The devil couldn't even touch him. Every time they tried to kill him, what did Jesus do? He just slipped away. Have you ever read that? You can read that. John chapter 8. You actually see Jesus. They, they, he was teaching. And of course, every time Jesus taught, somebody got mad. <laughs> I think we're going to do a little bit of that next month. Just talk a little bit about why the purpose, why Jesus came. Because a lot of people came, think that Jesus came, you know, just to be real nice towards people. No, he came to really confront dysfunction. That's what he did. And you're in my life. So every time he taught, he came at it. And man, he confronted garbage all the time. And so when every time he's preaching this one particular time, and they saw it, they got so angry at him that they wanted to push him off a cliff. So Jesus saw that. It says in the Bible, he slipped away. How do you do that? When you're walking in love, you're walking in light. They couldn't even find him. Where, where did he go? What, where did he go? <laughs> So you can see, man, he was untouchable, not able to be accessed because the enemy had nothing in him. And, give, and I want to encourage you, give nothing to that devil. Ephesians 4 tells us, give him no place. You know, if you actually read that, you know that Ephesians 4, 27-ish? <laughs> but the way that it's actually brought out in the Greek, it's literally that Paul put exclamation points everywhere on that sentence. Give 
him no place. Put that punk where he belongs. Where does he belong? With our boys, we do that. What a, hey, like, Papa, where is the devil? Oh, let me tell you. Right here. Got a good mark. And so what do we do? We dance. And we dance. And we dance and we dance and we dance. We want to make sure he knows his place in our home. Where is the devil in your home? Does he have access in your home? Give him nothing. Where do we put him? I intensely put him underneath here and say, and I dance. And I dance. And I dance and I dance and I dance. What do I do? I'm just rejoicing in what Jesus did for me when he made a public display of him. I have to enforce that victory. I have to enforce it. Right? It doesn't just mean, oh, Jesus did it, so that means it's automatically mine. No, you have to enforce what Jesus did on the cross and take it as your own. So if you feel the devil's been whooping you and your family a little bit, it's not just you go, oh, you know, Jesus, do something with that devil. No, it's now you say, that's enough. You've got the authority. You've got the power. Jesus beat the devil up for you. Now what do you got to do? You take that authority that he already gave you. Right? That's a totally different subject. So let's continue on here. Whew. So the good news is what Jesus did for all mankind. His finished work on the cross gives us, gives everyone the opportunity to come back into a right relationship with God and experience the God kind of life, Zoe life. Now what do we do to deserve that? Nothing. It's a gift. We just simply have to receive it. So last week, I want to just touch base on this a few things from last week that we discussed because this is huge. It matters what you believe. Say it matters. it matters. What I believe. What do you believe? Because what you believe, you're actually seeing in your life. How do I know that? Proverbs chapter 4 tells us, it says, guard your heart. Verse 23, guard your heart for out of it, for out of it life. You don't believe with your head, you believe with your heart. So what's happening? What's your believer like? What are you really believing on the inside? That's what's going to be coming out of you. It matters what you believe. It matters what the church you go to believes. It makes a huge difference. It's life or death for a lot of people. Hello. <laughs> it makes all the difference in the world. If you, I mean, we actually just met somebody last week. Uh, came here for prayer for, for, for cancer. They wanted, they wanted some people to come around them. They go to a different church that doesn't believe in healing. That is a problem. What do we do? What do we believe here? We believe what the Word of God says. We're not just giving opinions. We're not just giving, oh, this is what we think about it, the high thought of the day. We stick to what the Word of God says. Because God is watching over His Word to perform it. He's not watching over my opinion to perform it. Form it. He's watching over the Word. So let me encourage you. The moment that you became a born-again Christian, you no longer have the right to opinions. Hello. If you are a child of God, Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That means what He thinks, I think. What He says, I say and I do. That, that's, he's the boss. That's the way it's going to be. Whatever He thinks about the matter. And we got to get back to what the Word says because this is where Christians are getting in trouble is, well, they got certain opinions about this. And this is what my church taught me about this. This is my experience with this. Stay away from that. you got to go back to what the Word says. You even got to check what I'm saying. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, you got to throw it out. And then come say, Joe, that was off. Okay. I'll be, I want to make sure I'm sticking to what the Word of God says because that's what we're all going to, that's what we're living on is what this Word says. Jesus said that you will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how we as believers, we live our life. 
is by what he said. Cool? Okay, high five your partner or something. Man, that's what I'm talking about, man. That's, that's delicious. Those that didn't high five, okay, well, you're, we'll, we'll keep plugging along. Now, I want you to go Romans 1.16. Look at this again. On the screen, it'll be here. We're going to just look at this verse because this is where we're going to kind of just tie up a few things. It says, I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is. What is the it is? Yeah, the, the, the good news, it is the power of God at work. So what is at work? The good news. And the good news is what? The power of God. The good, that's what we're going to talk about today. The good news is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. Say it with me. The gospel is the power of God. Oh, I just want more power in my life. No, no, no. You don't need more power. You need more gospel. You need more good news. You need to hear it. But just to kind of reiterate a few things that we talked about last week, it matters what you believe. The power of God is at work saving everyone who believes. Is the gospel for everyone? Yes. Who does it affect? Those that believe. The gospel is not affecting the world at large unless they believe. The gospel is not affecting the church at large if they don't believe it. If you don't believe it, you're not going to see it. So you and I, we have experienced salvation, the power of God at work. We've experienced it to a degree. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got saved. Right? You received salvation in part. But there is so much more to it than that. Right? Remember salvation? Everybody show me those nine things. Why are we doing that? Well, salvation doesn't just mean, oh, I'm saved. It's got nine words attached to what it means. Are you ready for them again? Everybody got them written down? No? Okay. If you, let me encourage you. If you don't have them, write these things down. Think about them. Meditate on them because this will change your life. When you're, oh, I'm saved, that's a mouthful. When you're saying, I'm saved, you're not just saying, oh, I'm, I'm missing hell, going to heaven. You are saying so much more than that. Jesus paid too high of a price for you just to miss hell and go to heaven and live like crap down here. Okay. The Greek word is soteria, and it means to rescue, deliverance, safety, soundness, health, and wholeness. So that's the Greek word. They had six words for the Greek. In the Hebrew, it's Yeshua. And we know Yeshua means Jesus. And it's got three words in the, in the Hebrew that it really focuses on. Number one, it's deliverance. Number two, it's prosperity. And number three, victory. <laughs> so when you say, I'm saved, you're basically saying, I'm rescued. I'm delivered. I am safe. I am sound, I am healthy, I am whole, I am prosperous, I am victorious. So say that with me, I'm saved. I'm saved. Ooh, what did you just say? All of those words. You said them all. I'm sound. I have a sound mind. In my whole, my whole being, I'm, I'm whole, every part of me. What do you think? Wholeness includes every part of your life. doesn't just mean, oh, I'm whole, means I've got nothing missing off my body. It means every part of you includes your finances. It includes your children, includes your joy. I am a whole person. And that backs up with scripture. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10 or 2 verse 10. It says, in him we are complete. 
I'm whole, lacking nothing. I got it all. Okay, so say it again. I'm saved. All right. Experiencing salvation is not dependent on God. Now again, salvation, experiencing wholeness, experiencing victory, experience prosperity, experiencing soundness is not up to God. Right? Where is it up to? Us, believing it. Because look, for I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. What is the gospel? What is the, the good news doing? It's going. It's working. It's looking for people who will believe it. Because when somebody believes it, it takes hold and it, it releases it. In Jesus' personal ministry, when he was here on this earth, in his three and a half years of ministry, he needed somebody to believe him. Jesus' entire ministry was dependent upon your and my, or the, I guess the individuals in that time, their belief in him and what he could do. Matthew chapter 9. Turn there real quick. I'll just show you this one instance. We talked about it last week, but I want to show it to you. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe? Now this is the question. Do you believe? He's going to say, Does your family believe? Does your, you know, does your, your little tribe, do they believe? Do you believe that I can make you see? you got to answer that question. Now, these guys, it's, you can see more than them just saying, Yes, Lord, they told them, We do believe. How do you know if you truly believe in your heart? It will cause you to action. These blind men went to the house. They went right in. Now, these are blind men trying to find a door to a house. First of all, trying to find a house, which shouldn't be, you know, Hopefully there's a few around. Find a house. Okay, we're looking for the entrance point. They were so convinced that Jesus was who he said he was. Jesus was able to do what he said he would do. And so they were convinced of that. They were saying, we're going to get to this guy no matter what. No matter how dumb we look, we're going to find him. And they got towards him. And Jesus asked them the question, do you believe that I can make you see? Like, Jesus, of course, that's why they're coming to see you. Well, not necessarily. Do you believe do you believe that I can make you see? They said, yes, Lord. They told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of my power, Shazam! You can now see. I can see clearly now. The rain is... No. What happened? Because of your faith, your trust. What happened? It will happen. These guys got exactly what they were looking for. Nothing more, nothing less. They got exactly what they were looking for. And I love this. Then their eyes were opened and they could see Jesus. Or they could see. And Jesus certainly warned them, don't tell anybody about this. But instead, they went out and spread the fame all over the region. So what happened? The good news, the gospel impacted them. And the result was they had to go and spread it. So how come some people, they say, oh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But it's hard for them to share it. It's because they don't actually fully know the, what actually took place at the cross and at the resurrection. Oh, we, yeah, we've accepted Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, but do you actually know what took place in your life? It's so much more. Because looking, looking at these guys, they received healing in their eyes. They got their eyesight back. The result was they had to spread the fame. The gospel should not be a hard thing for you and I to talk about. But how come it is? 
because we're not quite sure if it will work. Is this going to happen? We have to be so convinced of what Jesus did at the cross that we just spread it and we just act as if it's true. Okay. That was one awesome thing. You know, go to Mark chapter 6. So these two blind men, the Passion Translation, it says, you will have what your faith expects. Say it with me. I will have what my faith expects. I will have what my faith expects. If I'm not expecting, I'm not having. If I'm not believing, I'm not getting. If I'm not believing, I'm not seeing. People want to believe God when they see it. That's not how this thing works. You have to believe it before you see it. Once you believe it, you'll see it no matter what. Right? So when Jesus made this statement, I love this. Jesus took all the limits off of you and I. There is nothing that God is withholding from us. There is not anything. Just think about it. There is nothing that's being withheld from you. You could have whatever you believe God for. Jesus said this, all things are possible to him who believes. Then he also said in Proverbs, in the same verse, Proverbs 4.23, out of your, or um, protect your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. God took the boundaries off. Your heart, what, what do you see? What's, what's in your heart? It's going to come out manifested. He took the boundaries off. So start dreaming big. Start seeing big. Start envisioning for your life. Start envisioning for your family. It's more than just what you're seeing. There's no boundaries. The only boundaries that you set are what you can see on the inside. If you can't see it, you can't have it. But if you can see it, guess what? You can have it. Because all things are possible to him who believes. <laughs> all things. What does that include? All things, that includes everything, are possible to him who believes. Okay, now just going back to this, Jesus was also, I mean, so he, these two blind men, they got what they expected for. Now Mark chapter 6, verse uh, 1 through 6, if we can look at there, says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended, and they refused to believe him. They refused. You choose what you believe, right? Okay. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, what does it say? He what? He couldn't. Did it say that he wouldn't? You're not going to believe me? Well, fine, I'm going home. I'm taking my miracles and going home. <laughs> no, nothing for you. No, it didn't say that. So the Father is constantly willing. I want to. When you see he couldn't do any miracles, it's not based on Jesus. These people, they needed something. They needed, maybe it was physical hearing in their body. Maybe they needed a wholeness in their family. They needed something, but because of their unbelief, Jesus couldn't. That's a huge word. He couldn't. It's like, picture God just trying to get to you. Like, man, you got these issues in your family. You got these issues going on in your own personal life. I'm trying to get to you, but I can't. It's not saying I won't. I can't. And how come he can't? Because there is no belief. Man, that's huge. So I don't know about you, but I want to be a church that doesn't 
Oh, I, I, Lord, we don't wish we would know if we believe all that. I want to be a church that we believe everything that this word says. We believe it, and because we believe it, we experience it. What do we believe? We believe that physical healing is for today. What else to believe? That God will meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in other tongues. We believe it. We believe it. We believe it. And why do we believe it? So we can experience it. Listen, do you know the people that have given me the hardest time about speaking in tongues are people that don't believe in it? Well, of course. I don't know how many people have said, well, I don't believe that. Don't worry about it. You're never going to get it. <laughs> I don't believe healing's for today. Fine. Stay sick. Die. No, you get what you believe. I don't believe God wants you to be prosperous. Go ahead. Be broke all your life. What are you believing? It makes all the difference. And I'm not saying that arrogantly. We're going to stick with what the word says. People got all these opinions on this and Dr. So-and-so said this. Who gives a rip what Dr. So-and-so said? God said this. What do you believe? Do you believe your life stinks? Guess what? It's going to stink. Are your kids a riot? Guess what? Your kids are going to be a riot. Whatever you believe, you're going to have. You've got to change it. Everything comes back to your own little belief system. It all comes back to this. What are you believing? Ask yourself that question. Do a good inventory of yourself. Why do I believe what I believe? Oh, is it even because Pastor Joel said it? That's not good enough. You got to go to what God said about it. Right? <laughs> we got to stick with God. Always be on God's side. Always. If somebody gives you contrary, even though they've done seminary and they got PhD and LHD, whatever D's and P's they got, if it doesn't line up with Scripture... Get rid of it. you got to get rid of it. Why? Because it's affecting your own personal life. I'm not here trying to prove... I'm not here to prove anybody wrong. I'm here to impact your life so that you see Jesus for who He is. He is a loving, willing man who wants to heal, who comes to set free, who comes to establish His kingdom on the earth. <sighs> Anyways, I've done my little ride. And on one more thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did I have one more thing? I don't know. Okay. So what do I believe? I believe in my heart and I say it with my mouth. Because what you actually believe, well, how, how do I take inventory? Take a look at what you're saying. Because what you are saying is actually true in what you're believing. Because what you believe you're going to say and what you say you're going to see. Right? So you got to take a close inventory of that. This, this takes time. Like, listen, doing Christian work, being a Christian is not just some easy thing where you just kind of coast. If you want to live according to how this word says we're supposed to live, it is upstream 24-7. <laughs> this is, when, you, when you sign up for this, this isn't just like, a, oh, yay, this is so easy. This is going to be so fun. I can, it's going to be wonderful. Yes, it is wonderful. It is a ton of fun. It's glorious. But listen, going this way is not going to be popular out there. And not only just out there, amongst church folk. Living this way, you're, basically, you're living upstream for the rest of your life. But the good thing about it is God is be able to showcase you and say, this is what, how my word works. But he's going to hold you up like a trophy and say, look, this is what I'm going to do with you. I believe that. Right here. This is what it says, it says in the 
Second Chronicles 16.9, God's eyes search to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking someone whose hearts are perfect towards him. He wants to show you off. I'm willing. <laughs> Use me, Lord. He wants to show somebody off. Who's willing? What does that mean? Stick with the word. Okay? All right, I'm, uh, I'm nowhere near my notes, so that's cool. Let's just get back to what... Okay, go back to Romans chapter 1, please. Let's look at this again. The good news is the power of God. The good news is the power of God. The good news is the power of God. Right? And I, this, this has been hitting me. I've been meditating and thinking on these verses for a long time. But it's the good news. It's the gospel. It's the message is the power of God. The message. <laughs> well, can, can it just be like God just, you know, just zaps somebody and that's just the power of God just hits them? Man, there's, there's tangible stuff that you can feel. But it's the good news that is the power of God. And it's on the inside of you released out. Now look again, for I'm not ashamed of this good news. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Now, what I love about this, it doesn't say anything about me having to work to receive this power. What is your and my job as Christians, as believers? John 6, I believe it's verse 29. Jesus said, this is the work that your father asks of you. That you believe in the one that he sent. You know, the hardest thing for you and I on this earth is to believe the gospel. Did you know that? What is the work that's required of you? Christianity, what's the work required of you? To believe. Did anybody here earn their salvation? So why do you think you can earn your healing? Why do you think you can earn your blessing? Why do you think you can earn joy, earn peace? Why do you think all that is earned? It's not. What do you need? You gotta hear the good news. You gotta hear the gospel. And actually, before I before I go on this, I want you just to go to Galatians chapter five for a sec, because this 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 is huge. This uh, for those of you that have, maybe haven't been here, we our church year kind of goes you know September through June. Most churches operate that way, but the Lord gave us a word for this year, and it was the word decontaminate. The whole purpose behind that is we were going to get rid of mindsets, things that were holding us back from encountering the true presence and the power of God in our life. So he gave us that word decontaminate. We're going to just hit that. We got to challenge mindsets. We got to challenge belief systems. We got to actually see, is what I'm believing Bible? Or is this just opinion that I've heard growing up? This is just a tradition that I grew up with. Why do you believe that you would believe? So this, this decontaminate, we're so going all in on this thing because this will change your life. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, Galatians 5. I don't know about you. I'm passionate about this because I, I want to see people experiencing God in their fullness. I'm not satisfied with people just coming to church. You know, I just didn't expect much. I didn't get much. That's lame. Christianity is supposed to be exciting. If Christianity is boring to you, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Galatians 5, verse 1. Look at this. So Christ has truly set us free... Now make sure that you stay free. Right? So Christ has made you free. So whose job it is now to stay free? And how do you stay free? By believing. You stay believing the gospel. That's how you stay free. Okay, now we'll continue on. It says, and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, this is verse 2. Listen, 
I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting, it says in my Bible, on circumcision, just think of that as external works. Right? If you're counting on external works to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised or by doing external things, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. How many laws are in the law of Moses? People just say 10. It's 613. Have fun with that. <laughs> Verse 4. <laughs> he says, For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. The moment that you put your effort into anything, such as healing, such as uh, the promises of God in, in blessings, in favor, in His goodness towards you, the moment you put your effort into any of it, the result is if you've cut, you have been cut off from Christ and you've fallen away from God's grace. Now you're back into works. You're getting so caught up trying to do something, so caught up trying to earn something, and the moment that you do that, that's, that's, that, this is this, the spirit of religion, traditional thinking, is what's actually hurting believers more than anything else. Is a religious mindset. Is traditional thinking. If I do this, then God will do that. Uh-uh. It's Jesus did this, I receive it. Nothing to do with you doing this, then God will. That was the Old Testament. That was the Old Covenant. God gave all those, basically 613, they condensed it into 10. And they said, if you do this, then I will do this. If you don't do this, then I'll have to do this. But with Jesus, Jesus came and fulfilled the law. He accomplished it. He said, it is finished. Our job now is what? To believe the finished work. Because the moment that you start working, the moment you start operating, thinking that you can earn something, you actually have just said, the cross isn't enough. Jesus, you hung on that cross, I appreciate that, but that's not going to take care of the need that I'm facing right now. And that is dangerous. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to stop trying to do things and earn things and just simply hear it, believe it, receive it. That's your job. And listen, it sounds easy, but it's actually tough to actually stay there. I have to hear it. I have to simply hear it, I got to believe it, and I'm going to receive it. Done. That's the work. That's the work. So what'd you learn at church today? I need to hear the gospel, I need to believe the gospel, and just receive what has already been done. That is it. <laughs> okay. We're all, we're all good? Okay. Kiss. Keep it simple. Saint. All right. Now I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. Just going back now. The good news is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. It's foolishness to them. But we who are being saved, I like that word, who are being saved. Everybody say, being saved. Being. How many of you are in the process of being saved? We all are, right? Now, you are a three-part being. You are a spirit, right? You have a soul, and you live in this physical body. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what part of you got saved? Spirit. How can you tell? Because the moment I, got, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, physically nothing changed. Intellectually nothing changed. If you stunk at math before, you stink at math afterwards. So what part of me got saved? 
my spirit. Now there's another part of me, my soul, which is my mind, my will, my emotions, needs to be saved. It's in the process of getting saved. Romans 12, verse 2 says that you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's in the process of getting saved. And how do we do that? By you and me spending time with the Word. Our opinions line up with what the Word says. Our thinking, our patterns, everything about us starts lining up with what the Word says by our minds getting renewed with it. So if we're not exposing ourselves to the Word of God, you're going to be stuck and be, you know, I don't know another better way to say it, but you'll be as dumb as the world is operating. They're operating thinking, their way that they're operating in their system is confusion. It's, oh, think about it financially. Okay, you got to, Dave always said this, you get all you can, you can all you get, and then you sit on the can. God's kingdom is all about give, and it shall be given unto you. So people are operating in two different systems. And in, in church, in Christianity, they're trying to operate by a world system in the kingdom of God, and it's not working. And that's why you may be frustrated is because your mind has to be saved. It's got to get renewed. And then the amazing part of all this is you got a physical body. It's, it's gorgeous, by the way, but I'm looking at, looking at right now. It's delicio. But it's going to get better. Because, <laughs> listen, if, if, you, if your body was a car, you'd never buy it. Reason I know that, how many of you wash your body today? You gotta do it tomorrow. The thing stinks. You gotta do it constantly. Right? You gotta throw some deodorant on it. You gotta spray it down a little bit, put some axe all over you, just for the sake of your neighbor going, I am not going to stink for you today. You're welcome. <laughs> but this body is going to be saved, and that's what God's gonna do. When Jesus comes back, we're going to be changed. We're going to get a new body. And guess what? You don't even have to drive a car anymore. You don't have to even fly in an airplane. You can think and you'll be there. I'll have anybody here a race. Well, we're going to race it up. First one to the moon. Get there. <laughs> Man, it's going to be exciting. So the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed to destruction. But we who are being saved know it is what? The very power of God. So the message of the cross is the very power of God. The message of the cross. So I'm, like, I'm not seeing enough power in my life. You need to hear the message. It's not about you trying to get, okay, God, I need more power. Where are you going to get it? God demonstrated, put all the power at the cross and resurrection. He demonstrated it. He did it all on that spot. So what do you need and I need to go back to is understanding what actually happened at the cross. Because when you know it, this is our foundation. If you are a believer, this is the foundation of who you are. You exist now as a Christian because of the cross and the resurrection. Everything about you, the fruit that you've seen, the experiences you've had with God, is all because of something that took place that you and I had nothing to do with. It was an act of God. He was saying, I want to do this for my kids. I want them to experience me. So I'm going to do something. I'm going to do the cross. I'm going to do, do hell for three days and three nights. I'm going to resurrect so that I could get my kids back. Where do you and I come in on this? Is simply receiving it. Okay. So what is the message of the cross? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to turn there. This is where I'm going to finish off. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is the Apostle Paul. He gives some awesome insight into this. And uh, you know what? I'm glad that you're there. Just hold on there for a sec. But the message of the cross is the ignition point. It's the keys that turn the ignition where God's power becomes operative and realized with the ability to convert, to transform, and to save. 
It's the moment, it's kind of when you hear the gospel, what's happening, the keys are being put in your hand and you're turning the ignition going, oh, I hear something, I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it, I, I got it, I got it. And at that point, when you hear it, the ability to trans be transformed, the ability to be saved, the, the salvation, the ability for those things to come into your life starts coming at that point. It's not just, oh God, I need this. No, 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 you need more gospel. You're praying to God for something he's already done. Oh God, I need healing in my body. Listen, it's great that you have people cooked up and we'll agree with you in prayer, but it has already been accomplished. It's already been finished. So what do you need to do then? I need to hear the gospel. I need to hear the good news about healing. So what do I do? I'm going to plug it in my ears. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear it until I believe it. And once I believe it, it's going to cause me to move and I'm going to start acting and seeing it in my life. That's how this whole thing works. It, that's how you got saved, right? You heard the good news that God loves you. He's not mad at you. He forgave all your sin. You're free. You're forgiven. You heard that and you, that and you responded to it. It's the same way for every other area in your life. If the finances are a little low, start putting in the good news about finances. Start hearing it. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What are you hearing? What are you listening to? If that's low, you got to get into that and start hearing the good news on it again. Right? What did Jesus come to do? I came to preach the gospel to the poor. What is good news to a poor person? You don't have to be poor no more. Plug it in. Listen to it. Right? Okay, so with the message of the cross, verse 17, if any man, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. We'll keep going, verse 18. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the sin offering, or to be the offering for sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So there's three things that I want to just really point out. Number one, because of God's love for all mankind, he did this for us. So God's motive in all this was not trying to get something out of you. His motive in everything in this is because he loves you. That's it. That's why he did this. So the first thing that he did was he decided to give you new life. Everybody say new life. New life. He decided to give you new life. And what kind of life is this? People say it's, it's the Zoe life. It's eternal life. Right? When you hear eternal life, don't just think of length, you know, the, how long it's going to be. Because every human being lives eternally. Right. Everybody has eternal life. They're going to be around eternally. But when you hear eternal life, think quality of life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so whoever believes in him will not perish, but have quality life. That is Zoe life. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, Ephesians 2. Look at this. I'm gonna, just going on. New life. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, 
He is the Spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and because He loved you so much, that even though you were dead because of your sins, He gave us life. He gave it to us. He gave it to us. He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ. And what else did He do? He seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So what do I have right now? I have new life. Everything that Jesus is, so am I. Everything He's got, everything He's like, there is one third of me that is exactly like Jesus. It's on the inside of me. It's in there. I got it. It's working in me. Now, we're going to finish it off uh, next week. Oh, next week. No, I'll come back to that. <laughs> so the first thing he did is he gave us new life. Second thing that he gave us is, well, the way that I wanted to say it is, um, let me just back up here. God reconciled the world to himself. You are in. Say it, I'm in. You're in. You're never out. You can no longer be out. If you're in, you're in. Right? You're either in or you're out. And if you're in, you're in. You can't be half in, half out. You're in. In. Not out. In. Uh, no, no. In. I am in. Say it with me. I'm in. When you wake up in the morning, oh, I don't feel like a Christian. Listen, there's times I don't feel like it either, but I'm still in. You cannot change that. It says Ephesians 2 verse, uh, sorry, Ephesians 1 13, that you've been sealed by the Spirit of God. You is in. You can't get any more in. You are in Christ. You are in Him. He gave you His life. Ephesians 2 13 just lists off a few of them. It says, now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now. Say, but now. What is, what is right now? Time-wise. Now. You know, you can sneak up to the scripture in the middle of the night. Oh, now. Still, still is going to say now. But now you have been brought close. You've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. You have to put more confidence in the blood of Christ than what you did yesterday. I am always in. I screwed up yesterday. But the blood of Jesus is stronger, more powerful than what I did. So I ask for forgiveness and I just go right back into fellowship as if I've done nothing wrong. I'm in in this spot now what the devil will love to do is trying to get you to think that you're out don't let him i am in okay um this is a lot i'll just read i'll just read this this one passage here it says you're no longer wandering exiles the kingdom of faith is now your home country you're no longer strangers or outsiders you belong here with as much right to the name christian as anyone God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He's using you. Everybody has different stories, different journeys, but we all end up in the same spot. <laughs> Philippians 3.20, look at this one for a sec. Okay. It says, we are. Say, I am. I am. Say it like you mean. I am. I am. I am a citizen of heaven. I am a citizen of heaven. 
where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and now we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Man, I'm excited to see him. I'm so excited to see my man. That's my Jesus. That's my king. And I can't wait to see him. Why? Because I'm a citizen now. Oh, man, he's wonderful. And lastly, Colossians chapter 1, 19 through 23, says, For God in all of his fullness, not halfness, not quarterless, in all of his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, talking about through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now. What is that word? Now. Timing right now. What about five minutes from then? Now. What about tomorrow? Now. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy, you are blameless, as you stand before him without a single fault. So right now, right now, what are you? What are you right now? I am, oh go back please, I am holy, I am blameless, I stand before my Father, before my God, as if I've never done a single thing wrong. This will change how you live here. I'm no, there's no sin. And that's my third point. There is no more sin. So number one is, I'm a new, I got new life. Right? Number two is, I'm in. Number three is, no sin. There is nothing separating me from God anymore. I'm completely free. I'm all in and I have full right to be here. I can be bold towards my Father. I can be bold towards my God because He said I could be here. So take that spot. Now, no sin. This is Psalm 103, verse 12. I'm going to just give you a couple of verses. I'm basically letting the Bible do the preaching this morning. It says, He has. Not going to, not one day. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Can the east ever touch the west? No. You just keep going around. Eventually, you okay, now I'm east. Okay, now I'm west. They never meet each other. Saul or Isaiah 43, 25. It says, this is God speaking. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for what? For, for my sake? For his sake. <laughs> and then he said... And I will never, never, say never. never. I will never think of them again. again. Oh, isn't that good news? How many of you had a crappy past? How many of you screwed up in the past? Oh yeah, guess what? Does God even know it? No. And it's not like God's playing a trick on you. Oh, psych, I remembered a few of them. No, listen, this is what makes God God, is he has the capability of forgetting things, and he actually forgets it. He's not like an elephant never forgets. No, he, he doesn't have that. He has these capabilities. God being God, he doesn't remember it. So what does he tell us to do? If you continue reading on that verse, he says, now you tell me who you want me, how you want me to think about you. You tell him how he's supposed to think about you. So every time when I screw up, I go, oh, God, I, I missed the mark. Okay, Lord, I'm asking for your forgiveness. I, see, I did this wrong. I'm going to go with your way. Okay, I see this way. But, Lord, I want to thank you. You made me righteous. 
I am righteous because of what Jesus did. I'm healed. I'm blessed. I'm victorious. Lord, that's who you made me to be. I'm putting him in remembrance of who I am. I have a covenant with God. God is not an emotional, herky-jerky God. People think he's so soft and such a kind of a sissy God. Well, you did this, so now God's going to turn his back on you. No, he is a father and he loves his kids. God does not get offended. You can, you can hurt him. You can quench. Yeah, you can do lots of those things. But God is not so easy that you can go, oh, you hurt my feelings. That's not who he is. <laughs> Man, in the last verse of Colossians chapter 2, we read this one. 13 and 14 says you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross where are the charges that were against you they are gone like you can't where would you even find them you can't they're, they're gone. There's, the, there's no record of heaven. The book of Joel going, oh, yikes, man. There's a lot in there. No, he completely, there was all these charges against me, right? We have an accuser of the brethren. We got somebody who's accusing us, and this is our past. But Jesus, basically, what he did is he took my book and whoop, wiped it clean and died with it. So now who am I? Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. I am blameless. I am holy. I stand before my Father as if I've never done a thing wrong. <sighs> wake up every morning going, <sighs> it's a fresh day. His mercies are new every morning. That's why he gave us 24 hours in a day. He had to, we going to restart it every single day. Yesterday was a crappy day. Guess what? You woke up to a new day. His mercy is new today. So what can I do? I stand before you, Lord, as if I've never done a thing wrong. Yes. Yes. What did you do in order to deserve it? How do you partake in it? You just got to believe it. You got to believe it and just receive it in your life. Amen. Let's all stand up.